it was a um, it was a memorable Christmas Eve service. I mean, I've not forgotten it. Um, I was pastoring a church down in West Plano, and the children's pastor had this wonderful idea for the children's sermon on Christmas Eve. Why don't we get a live lamb on stage, and we'll use it as a you know a little object lesson. And so there we had a little hay spread out on the right side of the stage. We had our little manger, little crib manger, you know, just waiting for baby Jesus. And we have this little lamb, cute, cuddly little lamb tied, tethered to the manger, all right? And so, I mean, like two minutes before the, the, the service is about to start and and, uh, you know, the place is filling up and, and all the children are down on the front where they can see and get ready for the children's message. The lamb is tugging on that tether, kind of backing up toward the front of the stage. And that's when it decides to take a whiz. If you get my drift. Um, you know, picture that, backing up, spreading his legs and just, and I think he'd been saving it for a while. And uh, so I don't know if, I don't know if the church that night looked like a stable, but I'm going to guarantee you, authentic smell of the stable. Very memorable. Now, we weren't mega church, right? That was, you know, the extent of our uh, Christmas type pageant. But how many of you have been to one of those really big Christmas pageants? You know, like, say, like maybe at Preston Wood or, you know, the, you know, mega church pageants have just gotten bigger and bigger by the years, haven't they? Incredible. Angels hanging six stories up, suspended from harnesses attached to 150-foot-long tracks bolted to the sanctuary ceiling with 15 trained operators with headsets and joysticks controlling their, their movements overhead as they swoop down onto the stage. I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger. About three years ago, a church, Fort, Fort First Baptist Church of Fort Lauderdale, made got national attention for their Christmas pageant because According to the Chicago Times and, and ABC and another of, of the, of the uh, channels, news channels that captured the story, they, were the, they, they had the biggest, the mother of all Christmas pageants, if you will. And so they, were, they got news coverage. It was photo journalists there. Uh, they, were, they were interviewed and, and on Good Morning America. And the show at the time featured 130 child actors. There were over 600 adult actors and singers. There were professional and semi-professional uh, soloists. There were a, an orchestra of over 75. And, and um, I mean, you can forget the days when we made halos out of tinfoil wrapped around, uh, around uh, coat hangers. Remember? Uh, we're having... Uh, we're having to compete against theatrical things all around the country, whether it's MTV or the Rockettes or any show you might see on Broadway, said Pastor Reverend Mike Jeffries of Fort Lauderdale. We've made a conscious effort to pull out all the stops. 
They started their production back in 1984, have done it every year since, and it just keeps getting bigger. A couple of years ago, they added controlled pyrotechnics at the end of the first act. Uh, and the first act featured a, a whole line of rockets-like dancers doing high kicks to Jingle Bell Rock. And then a full-size horse-drawn sleigh comes on their 14,000-foot stage, if you will. The show is three and a half times a larger production than the typical Broadway play. And it costs $2.2 million a year to produce. Tickets are on sale from about $10 to $61 for the really good seats. Ten performances. All of them sold out, by the way. I checked on this year's site to see if you know, Deb and I could get tickets and go down to Fort Lauderdale. And they were sold out like weeks ago. Ten performances for a, in, a, in an auditorium that seats about 3,000. The second act tells the story of Jesus, the birth through the resurrection and the ascension with a full cast and every kind of animal. I, every kind of animal. How'd you like to be the cleanup crew, you know, in that church? Those of us in this room have had the opportunity to see one of those mega shows would testify that they are truly amazing. They are impressive, an impressive sight and sound experience. Listen to what Pastor Jeffrey said when he interviewed on Good Morning America. I really believe this is such a great story. But I'm sure we couldn't compete in any way with what happened that night nearly 2,000 years ago. Now, folks, that's what you call an understatement. Amen. The truth is that whatever words we might attach to our description of that night 2,000 years ago, no matter how many nouns and verbs and adjectives we can come up with, it's going to be an understatement. Luke's text tells us his gospel tells us that the glory, the doxa glory of the Lord was shining all around them. We're not talking about theatrical lights here. We're talking about the doxa glory of God resting on a pasture. And suddenly, Luke says, there was with the angel a multitude. And the word there is the word for an army. An army. Of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Are you starting to get the picture just a little about how huge that was? Well, wait, there's more to my story. Okay, the church in Fort Lauderdale, you know mother of all Christmas pageants, right? Well, this year they announced that the production was going to be bigger than ever. They also announced that there were some significant changes that were in the plans. 
that instead of doing 10 packed out shows for this two and a half fast, two and a half hour fast paced performance, they were going to do it only once. Like one time, Uno. Now that's leaving a lot of folks down in Fort Lauderdale scratching their heads wondering, how in the world, you know, uh, baby cakes, are we going to get, are we going to get tickets to the show this year? Well, don't bother. Don't bother because see, the folks in Fort Lauderdale said this year's show was not going to be open to the public. It was not going to be advertised on television. It's going to be bigger than ever. But the plan is to keep the, the auditorium entirely empty except for four seats, four tickets given out to a rather scruffy band of guys, four guys that work on the Jiffy Lube down at the Jiffy Lube on Ocean Avenue. That's it. I'm making that part up. <laughs> they, they wouldn't do that. I mean, who would do something like that? You want to know the answer? God would. God would move heaven and earth for four or five poor shepherds. He would pull out all the stops. He would, see, the, the word revelation literally translates this, this word picture of God lifting up the curtain. God just raising the curtain a little bit so that we can see something about him or we can see something that he's doing. And that night, that night, God put on a show for four or five poor shepherds in the field. He lifted the curtain and showed them the glory of God. Who would do something like that? Only God could think that up. Only God could think that up. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I want to make three observations under, uh, under three headings this morning. I want to talk to you about outcasts all, about outlook forever changed, and outward call. Outcasts all, outlook forever changed, and outward call from this text. First of all, verse 8. Let's read it together. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Do you know anything about shepherds in that day and time? I mean, really? Shepherds were the dregs of society in Jesus' day. They were the bottom feeders of society. Marginalized. Did you know they were not welcome in the temple in Jerusalem because they didn't keep up with all of the, you know, all of the rules about, about eating and touching unclean things. So they were never welcomed in the temple. They might go and deliver lambs that would be used in sacrifice, but they were never welcomed in. And did you know that by law, they could not testify in a Jewish court? You know why? Because their testimony was considered to be too unreliable. They were the ones who just couldn't make it in town with the regular folks, with normal society. 
So they were pushed out into the fields. They couldn't deal with people on some kind of a regular basis. They were societal misfits. They were outcasts. And this is who God chooses to be the first witnesses to the birth of his son and the first to bear witness to the birth of his son. Couldn't even testify in a Jewish court. Hmm. You find that a little strange. They were outcasts. Let me ask you this. You and I got anything in common with these guys? See, folks, we're all the time comparing ourselves to somebody else. And we're thinking, well, I'm better than that dude. But when we compare ourselves to the sinless son of God, when, to the character and the holiness of God, are any of us not outcasts? Are any of us deserving? Are we not all muddied up and impure? Are we, is our testimony all that reliable? We are outcasts all. We are outcasts all. And yet, this is who God chooses to bear witness. You see, most of us would rather hear the message from an angel, wouldn't we? But that's rare. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's not the norm. Most of the time when people hear the, the gospel of Jesus, it's from a flawed messenger. From someone who understood that they were an outcast and somehow were brought near by grace. Like you. and Like me. God uses flawed, mixed up people sometimes who don't have it all together, who struggle with life issues and doubts, and, and he uses failures. Can, can I just ask you, when and where have you learned the most about God and about yourself? When you were, when you were in tall cotton, highly successful? Or when you were in those low places struggling with failure and in need of forgiveness. What did you learn more about God's character and your character? Then like the shepherds, you qualified to tell the story. We are outcasts all. But our outlook has forever been changed, hasn't it? Look at the text. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The word for fear in the Greek, the, the New Testament language is phobo or phobos. Phobia. We get the word phobia from it. And here it's, it's found in this text, the, both the noun and the verbal form are found. So in, it literally the text translates, they, they feared a great fear. Now, that suggests to me, now, it's coupled with another word, Greek word, mega. 
They feared a great mega fear. This was not a holy awe. They didn't just suddenly fall on their knees in worship. They fell on their knees terrified, if you will, when they saw the angel and the glory of God inappropriately so. And interestingly enough in the text, the angel says to them, fear not. It's an imperative, present tense imperative. Stop fearing. It's, it's one of the fear nots found in Scripture. You know how many fear nots there are in Scripture? 365. If you trace it all the way through the Old and New Testament. 365 fear nots. So no matter what's going on in your present no matter what's happening to you right now in your life, there's a fear not Amen. for you. A fear not for every day of the year, every circumstance in your life. Do not be afraid for behold. That's like the angel saying, now look here now. Behold, I bring you good news. You and Galeon. I bring you good news of great joy, mega joy. You see, great fear is replaced by what? Great joy. You see, and joy is not dependent on happenstance. Happiness comes from this idea of happenstance. You got to get the circumstances just right. I mean, we got to get the right presence under the tree. You know, and got to open the right presence on Christ. You know, it's not, it doesn't depend on happenstance, on happenings. It's not about what's happening. Joy is something that's, that comes, it wells up from inside when fear is dispelled and, and, and God is trusted for who he is, for his character and for his goodness. And then suddenly there is a resource in us of joy. Amen. Great fear replaced by great joy for unto you oh wait wait I don't want to miss this I bring you you and Galleon good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you and that's plural for unto you guys all of you this day is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Not a self-help guru. You don't need another self-help book. You've been down to Barnes & Noble lately? You know, saying both sides of the shelves full of self-help books. And is anybody getting better? Seriously? Your neighbor's looking a lot better, acting a lot better, being a lot better because they're down there reading those self-help books. You don't need a self-help book. You need a Savior. Amen. These guys were outcasts, and they knew it. There's a Savior, a Deliverer who is Christ, the Messiah, and Kyrios, Lord. And this will be a sign 
for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Here's a question. You think these guys were ever the same after that night? I don't. Are you kidding me? They went back to business as usual? No, no. See, folks, when you recognize your need for God, that you are an outcast like all the rest of us, and you see Jesus, it changes everything. Outlook forever changed. Outlook forever changed. But first we've got to see him. We have to have our eyes opened and our ears opened to receive that message. Now, I don't know where you are in relationship with the Lord. Trust me, I don't. Because there's only one who can look inside the human heart. And it's the one above. It's the Lord. I'm in conversation. I had coffee. Actually, to be more honest, I'm drinking Topo Chico with one of my friends last week. Ross knows this. Whenever I come to his office, I always bring two bottles of Topo Chico and drop them down on the desk. Because I'm a big fan, okay? So, and by the way, this is just like plain bottled water, Ross. If I preach again, I'm expecting. But anyway, I'm having Topo Chico with a friend. And he's telling me this story about his son, his son Sam. And when Sam was in high school, Sam was a mess. He was not motivated. He was making terrible grades. He was in rebellion. He was just not in a good place. And, and, and his parents were hoping and praying that they could get him to go to college and they found out that there was this ministry on the college campus, Christian ministry, that was actually full with a lot of cool kids. And so they signed Sam up to go on a retreat the end of his senior year in high school. Before he was ever even a college student, they said, we signed him up and we sent him off on this retreat with all these college kids. And it was involved in this college ministry down there in Georgia. And, 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 and Dave tells me, my buddy, he says, he said, you know, I went to pick him up at the end of the weekend. And as he was walking across the parking lot, I knew he was different. He was different. He wasn't the same Sam. And I asked him, I said, Sam, what happened on the retreat? You know what he said? He said, Dad. For the first time, someone sat down with me and, 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 and explained the gospel to, me, gospel to me, and I invited Jesus into my heart. Now, here, here's the kicker. My buddy Dave, his father, was on staff with Campus Crusade for about seven or eight years. He shared the gospel with Sam about, he said, I bet I've shared gospel with him before he went to bed as a little boy, like, like dozens and dozens and dozens of times. But like the shepherds, for some reason, that night, his eyes were opened 
We're to faithfully share the message. But we're not the Holy Spirit, are we? And not our job. It's his job to convict. It's his job to drive the message home. Because people, there's a, this is a huge distance between here and here, isn't it? Between the head and the heart. There are a lot of people, that, there are a lot of, some of you here, that say, well, oh, yeah, I believe all that about Jesus. But have you seen him? Experientially, have you entered into relationship with him? Have you really heard the gospel that changes everything forever? And last, there's an outward call. Outcasts are not just brought near. And their outlook forever changed, their lives forever different because they have seen and come to know him. But there's an outward call. Now look, when the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known. Notice there's a response. They, they responded to, what the, to the message that they were given. Let's go see for ourselves. And they went with haste. The, I use the Greek word there just because it, there's an English word for us. It's the word spudo. We get the word speed from it. These guys sped up. And they went with haste to Bethlehem and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And this is the word for amazement. They were amazed. That's jaw-dropping. At what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Which means the first, the first people that the shepherds told the story of the angels to and what they had heard from the angels was Mary and Joseph. Because she treasured it up in her heart. She received it. She believed what they were saying and she treasured these things and she pondered and she thought about them she ruminated she meditated on them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them there's an outward call go back to verse 10 verse 10 behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Amen. All people. We can't keep this a secret. And when we've seen him, when we've really seen him, when we've encountered him in faith, when our hearts have been opened to him and received him, and it changes everything, then we can't help but want to share. What God's done. 
can't help but want to share. So who will you share your story with? Who will you share your story of faith with this Christmas? Who needs to hear from you that you've seen him, that you've experienced him, that you've welcomed him, that you've made him a place in your heart? Because there's an outward call. It's for all people. This is good news for all people. Amen. I'd like to close with a little vignette written by one of my favorite theologians, a guy named Frederick Buechner. And it is the testimony of the shepherd. Would you allow me? I need to kind of get into character. Night was coming on. It was cold. And I was terribly hungry. And I'd finished all the bread I had in my sack, but my gut still ached for more. Then I saw a friend, a shepherd like me, about to throw away a crust he didn't want. And so I yelled, hey, friend, throw the crust to me. And he did, only it landed in the mud between us where the sheep had already mucked it up. But I grabbed it, mud and all, and I shoved it into my mouth. And as I was eating it, suddenly I saw myself. It was as if I was not just a man eating, but a man watching a man eating. And I thought, this is who I am. I'm a man who eats muddy bread. And then I thought, Oh, but the bread is good. And, and the mud is good too. And so I opened my muddy man's mouth full of bread and I yelled, By God, it's good, brothers! The bread, the mud, everything! And they laughed. And they thought I was a terrible fool. But they saw what I meant. We saw everything that night. Everything. Can I make you understand? I wonder. Well, has, has this ever happened to you? you? You've been working hard all day long and your dog tired, your bone tired. And so you decide to call it quits for a while and you just slump down up, up against a tree or, or against a rock somewhere and, and, and you, just, you just sit there in a daze for, for half an hour or a million years. I don't know. And all the while, all the while, your eyes are wide open. And they're staring straight ahead at something. But they're just too tired and glassy. And you don't see a thing. I mean, well, you could be dead for all you notice. And then, little by little, you start to come to. And your eyes start to come to. And you, you realize that the whole while... 
You were looking right at something, but you just didn't see it till now. Like that little you lamb with his, with his foot caught under a rock or the, or the moon scorching a hole in the clouds. Why, it was there all the time and you were looking at it all the time. You just couldn't see it until now. And that's how it was that night. That's how it was that night. The air wasn't just emptiness anymore. It was, it was alive and there was brightness everywhere. And it was dipping and wheeling like a flock of birds. And, and what you always thought was silence just stopped being silent. And, and it turned into the beating of wings. I mean, thousands upon thousands of them. And, and, and as you came to more, it was, there were voices Yes, voices, high and wild like trumpets. And, and words I never could quite exactly remember, but, but a whole lot like what I, what I yelled with my mouth full of bread. By God, it's, it's good, brothers! The bread, the mud, everything, everything, everything. By now you think we were out of our minds. And we were, of course. Why, well, it, was, it was just like being let out of jail. <laughs> I could still see us, the squint-eyed one who used to always complain about his sore feet and the, the little sawed-off one who could outswear a Roman soldier and the, and the young one who always blushed like a little girl when he did. Why, we tore out across that field like drunks at a fair. And, and drunk we were. I mean, crazy drunk. We were splashing through a sea of wings in the silvery wool of sheep. Was it night? Was it day? Did our feet even hit the ground? Shh, said the innkeeper. We met him coming the other direction with his arms full of wood. And when we got to the little shed out back, the father of the little boy held a finger to his lips. At the eye of the storm, at the eye of the storm there is no wind. Nothing breathes. Nothing moves. Everything keeps silent. So hush now. Hush. You see him, don't you? You see him? By God Almighty, brothers, open your eyes. Listen. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your precious gift. Your son, my Savior. 
And my prayer is that everyone in this room would be able to say with the same gratitude, thank you for being my Savior. My prayer simply would be that you would open our eyes. Open our ears. That we might see your son. And my prayer, Father, is that you would also open our lips as imperfect, weak, failed people but just as qualified as those shepherds to tell the story to someone who needs to hear beneath all the the glitter all the torn up wrapping paper that needs to hear the simple message of the gospel that unto us a savior is born who is Christ and Lord Amen